whether knowingly or unknowingly, many people have fallen into a form of neo-paganism. And today I'm going to examine that phenomenon and where it goes right, what merits it has, and where it goes wrong. Hello and welcome to the conversation of our generation where we are solving the problems of today with the wisdom of the past. My name is Nick Jamel, the creator and host of The Conversation of Our Generation, and today we will be discussing this new phenomena, and I guess it's not new because it is more the revival of an old phenomena, which is paganism. And I want to talk about that because I think it rounds out this thing that we discussed last week with postmodernism and sort of the reaction that you find against scientism, materialism, naturalism. This reaction that we have to want to find spiritual things, sorry, to want to find spiritual things, to want to relate to the world as a subject and not merely be something to be put under a microscope, to be fully human and to develop a worldview and to develop understandings of the world that include this aspect of ourselves that we recognize, namely the spiritual and the subjective things that are the subjective aspect of our life. And so that's what I want to talk about. Before I do dive too far into this, I want to remind you, if you haven't been listening to this uh, podcast recently and you kind of just tuning in for the first time in a while, there's a way to catch up real quickly uh, just by going to the link, uh, the show notes, and there's links to the whole series, so you can kind of see what we've been discussing so far. And this is going to round out the other uh, philosophies that I see floating around. So we've discussed naturalism, materialism, scientism, and last week we did postmodernism. This week we will be discussing neo-paganism and what I see there. So that is what we're going to do. Uh, but if you want to keep up, like I said, check out in the show notes. If you are interested in this podcast and you're liking it, leave a good rating and review. That really helps with the rankings. Uh, Just a five-star rating, good review. Those things help the algorithm. And if you're on Twitter, YouTube, etc., you can follow me anywhere. Just search Conversation of Our Generation, and I should pop up, and you can find my work there. Just to keep up with everything else that's going on and see a little bit more wherever your medium of choice is. And... Let's go ahead before actually I dive into the topic for today. I just wanted to let you know I have some exciting news actually and I will be taking a new job starting this Friday. I'm going to be working teaching religion in the high school that I went to actually. So very excited for that. Really excited uh, to be kind of moving back to something more to my roots and uh, getting back into a place that I do really love and Although I've enjoyed my work with my company that I've been with, I just, I think it's been not quite the calling to just do digital marketing and product and stuff like that. It's good and it's not, it's not bad work at all. It's interesting and fun, but I just think that this is going to be a place where I can use some of the special talents that I have that I don't know if everyone else, you know, shares in, or at least that I think I can really lean into the most. And so really excited for this. And that's kind of why things have been a little bit crazy with the podcast schedule. I've been 
trying, I mean, I've been getting them out on Tuesdays, but at weird times, I haven't been tweeting as much. I've been trying to hand things off at work, get ramped up on teaching, getting into all the technology and figuring out where people are in class. So a little bit crazy around my house, but definitely going to try to get back into a rhythm. So just bear with me over the next few weeks, please, as I figure this out. I'm going to find a way to get the podcast going, maybe hopefully do some more of the other uh, other parts, you know, with the newsletter and some of that and figure out how that works into my schedule. So just be patient. I'm going to be working on that. And hopefully, really, I can get a lot of the work that I'm doing at school to align with this and maybe be able to share some of those courses and guides and things like that and put that together as other extra ways to learn more about the world around us. I'll be teaching a world religions class, so maybe we can start to offer some of that uh, you know, for premium subscribers and people who want access. So definitely not promising anything, not saying what's going to happen, but I am saying check it out uh, or at least be on the lookout, be listening, and there may be some more announcements coming down the pipe. Uh, and so let's go ahead and dive in. Sorry about the little break there. I'm recording this in the afternoon or evening rather. So I've taken some of the mint out of my garden and, you know, steeped it in the whiskey that I had and kind of made a little infusion there. So it's, I did it with a rosemary one. I have a blackberry one that I've been testing with some just kind of mid-grade whiskeys that I have that are not the most expensive and they're pretty delicious. So enjoying that today as I talk to you. Well, (laughs) with a, you know, kind of long detour there, let's go ahead and get to the meat of it. And the reason I want to talk about this is because I've noticed that this kind of revival of pagan ideas and rituals have caught on with numerous movements. We see it in racial movements and whether that's BLM or some kind of right-wing nationalist movements of sort of talking about the blood, soil, all that stuff, and really talking about it in very old ancient ways of looking at the world right with the us and the in-group and the other and having kind of this spiritualizing of blood sweat and soil and also the climate movement you know where we have a revival of mother earth and everything as well as plenty of rituals that go along with that and all these movements just have this ritualistic as well as not exactly pantheistic, or uh, not, sorry, not pantheistic, um, but polytheistic, rather, sorry, got my terms mixed up. It's sort of polytheistic and ritualized, and while maybe people wouldn't say that they are worshiping the earth as a goddess, there are plenty of people who will say they are, and the other people who would say I'm totally secular and scientific act very similar to those who say they are worshiping Gaia and the earth and all of these things. So I want to talk about that because I think that, like I said at the beginning, there are people who are knowingly and unknowingly displaying these sorts of characteristics. And so to give you my definition, though, of neo-paganism, this is not one that I found elsewhere, but kind of how I look at it and what I would define it as. I would say neo-paganism is an explicit or implicit 
belief that misattributes spiritual significance. Uh, these beliefs, coupled with a set of rituals, are what I would call neo-pagan movements, even if the practitioners may think they are merely secular. So, in order to kind of break that down, whether or not the belief are the beliefs are explicit isn't the issue. It's what are they acting out, right? It's kind of how Jordan Peterson, when people ask him if he believes in God, he'll say, well, I act like I do. <laughs> and I think that there are a lot of people who are acting like they believe Mother Earth, you know, they personify Mother Earth when talking about climate stuff instead of just talking about the raw data. And then they try to tell us at the same time that they're being scientific. And there are a lot of people who spiritualize race in a way that goes beyond any real significance and dips in any real scientific significance or anything like that, right? It's not talking about the fact that one race may be more prone to this disease or that disease or, right, these people might be more likely to be malnourished or have a gluten intolerance or lactose intolerance. Those sorts of things are scientific and natural and we can talk about that. Well, <laughs> we can as long as you maybe are careful about it in today's culture, but there are variations on susceptibility to disease and the way people take in vitamin D, depending on how light or dark your skin is, you know, it's going to happen. So those are different than talking about, you know, like movements like the black Hebrew Israelites are another, are another, I think, example, or white nationalists who kind of have this, I mean, there are plenty of white nationalists who really do take the, you know, Irish or the Celtic pagan myths and the Norse pagan myths and kind of reject Christianity but want the Christian society with these Norse and Celtic and Germanic pagan myths or Roman and Greek pagan myths. And so there are people on that side too. And so the thing that I think these people are being drawn to that's right, even though I don't find these ideas convincing, I think they are being drawn to something spiritual. For instance, I think that unlike our materialists and our naturalists, the neo-pagans recognize the spiritual and moral. They, they recognize that there is an aspect to our life that includes these things, even if I think they're wrong about what is spiritual or what spirituality is true and what things are morally right and wrong. Often they speak and frame the world in these moral terms, which I think is good. We should be framing the world in a moral, with a moral worldview. And they incorporate metaphysical realism into their worldview, even if implicitly. And what that is, is metaphysical realism, according here to Wikipedia, maintains that whatever exists does so and has the properties and relations it does independently of deriving its existence or nature from being, uh, sorry, independently of deriving its existence or nature from being thought of or experienced. So, when it comes to the question, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? The metaphysical realist says yes, right? The, the nominalist or someone else may say no, it only makes a sound if, you know, someone's there to hear it or perceive it. But no, the metaphysical realist says yes, it fell, it made a sound, whether or not someone was there to experience it. It doesn't rely on, a thing has its own, su every substance has its own essence and 
being from regardless of who else is out there experiencing it, right? You wouldn't cease to exist just because you were the last person on earth. You would still exist. There just wouldn't be anyone here with you. And so I think that's a good thing that they incorporate that, that they recognize. And now I don't think that that's a full-fledged across-the-board thing, but I do think they are getting at at least this idea that things do have a purpose, that things have a spiritual side to them, that they, I guess I I shouldn't say that they actually believe in metaphysical realism as much as are pointing towards that away from sort of the modern ideas of scientism, the idea that we just need to measure everything and everything gets its significance from being in relationship to humanity. You know, if you look at many of the movements that I'm talking about, the racial movements and the climate movements especially, they are defending something for its own sake. And I think that that is much closer, at least, to this metaphysical realism. And they often include rituals, and ritual is good. <laughs> Habit, it you know, finding habits and creating those and doing those in community are a good way to direct us towards the good. And if people are accustoming themselves to habits, that is a good thing, right? If people are creating rituals, that is a good thing. We just have to direct that towards the greatest good thing, which is directing them towards truth. And so what are some of the errors then that we see? I think although I understand the motivations and I think the neo-pagan movement is in a step in the right direction, just like the pagans were moving in the right direction towards God, they just had to try to understand an infinite reality with finite minds. I mean, so it's impossible. The only reason Christians and Jews get to the truth of things is because God revealed himself to us. Without that, we could only get there part of the way. The fullness of revelation that we have from God telling us who he is, is why we're able to confidently walk in the truth. You know, even Aristotle and Socrates and Plato, you know, Confucius and Lao Tzu, who I think both sides from the East and West got very, very close to the truth, as, as close as anyone really can, I think, on from the human perspective, reaching up to God. I think they reached the highest up there on their own, and obviously by God's grace. <laughs> but as far as just reaching out to God, I think they're the ones who did a great job, and they still miss things. And so the errors that I see is, you know, these neo-pagans are misattributing spiritual significance, right? Instead of climate science, uh, climate people saying, hey, we should, you know, we should respect the earth because it's God's creation. They say we should respect the earth because, you know, it's some sort of pseudo-deity. And and so that's, you know, the, the rationale is wrong. They, their idea that they should respect the earth, that we should you know, respect this creation that's been given to us and be good stewards of it is good. The reason, the rationale why is not correct. You know, same thing with people on the race side. And I got to be careful here, but there is some sort of bond that you have with family and community. And a lot of times those things coincide with race, right? And I'm not saying that it's <laughs> people should be segregated or anything, 
not saying that, but I am saying that there is definitely a strong overlap with your race and, you know, the race of people you are with. And there may be some commonalities, right? As an Irish person, when I meet someone else who comes, you know, from Ireland, we can talk and say, hey, where's your family from? And I understand Ireland. I can't do that with people from even other European countries. If you tell me where you are in Italy, I know where Rome is. And I could probably get, I think I know about where Florence and Venice are. <laughs> so other than that, I don't know much, you know, but I know the British Isles okay because I've been there and I've gone there because that's where my family's from. I'm in tune with that a little bit. And so I think there is a significance a little bit to the camaraderie that you have and the you should have a patriotism for your country, which again, often, most places other than here in America does coincide with a nationality or ethnic group, right? For the most part, that's kind of how it's broken out. So there is something there. There are some certain ties that you have, but it's not that we are still not just our racial identity where there's more to us than that. And we are really part of Christ, right? We are called to be part of the body of Christ and to unite ourselves with that. That's what we would say as a Christian, as a, as really any Christian would say that we're called to be followers of Christ and by being a follower of Christ, be incorporated into him, into his church, right? The mystical body there. And that should supersede any racial or even familial ties that we have. And often I think they reject theism or at least have mistaken understandings of God. And so we can talk about those and figure out what people believe and correct them. But there are, I would say most people who are in these movements probably do not have, they're maybe deist or kind of polytheistic in a way and have maybe some weird spiritual beliefs. I know that I've had some weird ones when I tried to build my own understanding of the world. So I am not judging people on that because when you try to build your own worldview in a vacuum, it doesn't normally go very well. And so also like pagans of the past, they have, a, I think, different moralities for their group and outsiders. And what I would point to to demonstrate this would be your climate activist people who are willing to tell everyone else that they should stop doing this and stop doing that, but then we'll hop on a private jet to go to the next event <laughs> to speak at, right? You're John Kerry's, and there's a lot of hypocrisy there, I think. There's, you know, for instance, you know, a, I would say that Black Lives Matter will hold up what you, what they will say that it's one thing for black people to be racist against white people, but it's a whole nother thing for white people to be racist against black people. And I would say, no, it's terrible for anyone to be racist against anyone. And it's equally wrong for all racial groups to be racist. But there is, I think, an in-group, out-group mentality. Because, again, you're not seeing the broader view that I think the, that only Christianity brings. I think there's kind of some similar things in Hinduism or Buddhism and some sort of new agey spiritual things though that we're all one and so on and so forth. But that also really then gets God and what the nature of God and 
the cosmos is wrong. So there's, it's hard to get both those things right. And I think it's only exists correctly in Christianity. And so to correct this neo-pagan idea that we see cropping up, I think there are a few things that we can do because I really want to direct these people towards the truth. I really want to share that with them and sort of fill that urge because, you know, kind of like C.S. Lewis mentions about the fact that we have hunger and therefore there's food. We have thirst and there's water to satiate that, right? There's, there, we have these urges that the world presents these solutions for that satiate that urge. And I think that our urge for religiosity, whether or not we acknowledge it, pulls on us and it draws us into trying to explore these ideas however imperfectly we do that. And I want to, not because I have anything special, but because the church has this special thing, share that with people. And so I think the first thing that we can do to help people is acknowledge the religious impulse and those who partake in these things. It's really impossible to be just a holy, secular person. And I know there are those who will say they can, but they will have a religious fervor for something. And you see it get played out every time. I mean, I just don't know, even the people who are incredibly atheistic and nihilistic sort of have a religious fervor for those things, right? They kind of hold up Nietzsche as their saint and follow him and hold him up in that way, but also really treat those ideas of nihilism with the same fervor. And at least as like a Christian who's trying to share the gospel with somebody would. And so I think acknowledging those religious impulses and just saying, calling it out if you're having a conversation with someone about this, because it's important for people to recognize that in themselves. And on top of that, I think it reframes the discussion so that it's not, I'm just doing this rational climate activism. You have this belief in God that's totally different. No, we need to talk about our understandings of the world at a much deeper level than that. And we need to get people there. And I think that lovingly and charitably pointing out the religiosity and the underpinnings of certain beliefs will help. And, and really asking questions, too, to understand what people believe about these things and saying, you know, that's kind of sounds like faith to me there on that point, right? I get that this over here is science and we can track those numbers and so on. But this, what you just said here, really is more of a philosophical assertion that would be more along the moral and, you know, religious lines. Next, I think that theism should be the end goal, but we have to approach that differently with different groups. And in order to reach those who think they're secular, again, I think we should point out that religiosity and also on top of that, do it in a way, again, that doesn't offend people or put them on the defensive and say, no, I don't believe in that stuff. But for those who do acknowledge the spiritual, we should understand what they believe and direct them toward truth. And this is again, where questions come out. I think for the secular person, we have to really get what their blocker is from believing in the spiritual and unblock that. But for 
the spiritual people understand why it is that they don't believe in the Christian God. You know, what are the objections there? Have we walked through the five proofs of Thomas Aquinas? Have they heard those and why aren't they convinced? And once you get to that, I think, theism, then we can start to explore the real understanding. Then we can start to really get towards Christianity, Judaism, these monotheisms that really transform, I think, our worldview into a solid, structured moral worldview. And I think we should, lastly, channel passions for a cause by opening them up to the beauty and incredible truth that this has to offer. Right? You may not get someone to Christianity on step one, but these climate activists, BLM, these people are fervent supporters of this group. Why, you know, even the white nationalists who are really strong on it, why are they serving this so fervently? They have a passion for something. Let's correct their mistaken notions, bring them into the truth, and see if they have that same fervor and passion for the truth. I mean, just imagine if instead of, you know, dancing in the streets and doing weird rituals, the climate people were, you know, starting stewardship and going out and picking up trash and finding ways to protect God's creation in line with the Christian doctrine. If BLM, instead of, you know, trying to antagonize race relations, is saying, hey, how do we bring everyone into the body of Christ and become, you know, one church that is serving God together, black or white, right? That, I mean, that's what Martin Luther King wanted. That's what he was talking about, right? The climate, you know, we are called to keep our climate, our rather the earth and everything, we're tra- called to be good stewards of it. We are called to that. There should be people in the Christian world, in the Christian world who have a passion for nature, who are calling us up to that and saying, hey, here's where we're falling short of being good stewards of this. Just like we would say, there are people who are passionate about the poor who want to say, hey, here's where we're not helping the poor. You need those people who have a key then sense to those problems who can then bring that into the Christian conversation and say, here's how we as Christians can do this better. I'm open to those conversations. I really have trouble with the ones that people have today from a secular to a Christian because we don't share the same worldview and we can't really get to the deeper issues as long as we are talking at this surface level. And so that's what I think we need to get to is what is that core of what people are believing and you get them into that theism, you get them into Christianity, and then we can discuss these other issues that they are passionate about. That to me seems like the attack, (laughs) not the attack, the way to sort of combat this neo-paganism in our culture and direct it towards the truth and towards goodness. And so if you're interested in that, if you're interested in the stuff that I'm talking about here, definitely subscribe to the podcast, leave a good rating and review. And if you want to get more access to more content, get access to the Discord community and get a copy of my book sent to you, just subscribe for five bucks a month at conversationofourgeneration.com slash subscribe. You'll be able to talk to a lot of the previous guests on the podcast as well as other members of the community there. 
on Discord. Lots of good stuff. A lot of great stuff happening. And hopefully we'll be building out more and figuring out some... I'll be figuring out some good ways to bring you some more good content in the... That's premium for premium subscribers only as well. So definitely be on the lookout for some of that. And subscribe to just... Or if you just like what I'm doing and want to support me and help this show grow, help cover hosting costs and all that and you just think hey this is worth a few bucks a month you know it's worth my one starbucks that i drink that you know is gone especially because it's coffee in the next 25 minutes right if if i'm worth you know if the four shows four or five shows a month that you get through me are worth it you know i appreciate that just a buck a show basically (laughs) i really would appreciate the support and also find me anywhere youtube twitter facebook etc conversation of our generation search it and you'll be able to find it there to follow and keep up with what's going on here at the conversation of our generation and thank you for listening to this episode of the conversation of our generation let's get the dialogue going i'll talk to you next time